there's some things that are highly surprising and when they hit you it's like the whole world just comes before you and presents something really spectacular. I call them that's funny moments because it's so funny to see when destiny arrives in your life and people are so down in the dumps and they're not looking for the hope of the next <laughs> right move that they forget to look at the wonder of the world and to see their way through the toughest of times. And it's probably because this is a faculty that not very many people have cultivated in their lives. And it's easy to do. It really has to do with connecting with your true self in this beautiful and honest, cherished way. And most people don't do that. They don't cherish themselves. They don't care enough about themselves to really improve upon themselves. The thing about it is that when you improve yourself, you improve the world around you. You can't help it. There's no way to avoid that. And when you radiate your true self and, and you live in love and you just send everything that's good and all the happiness that you can to the people that you can care about, the people who you can care for and can give love to, you start to see that the world just sparks in these beautiful, dramatic, incredible, incredible ways. And this is no great mystery. Love is a real thing. And perhaps people don't know what it looks like because it's, it seems at times so orchestrated, these synchronicities, these special happenings that happen, something within you that flares. And you're like, my gosh, like, I love life right now. This is a beautiful thing. Look at all that life has to bring you know even when you're down in the dumps and you're in the darkness and it's hard to see light love is your light it shines like this magnificence that you follow in your heart sings for the the praise that this, this is hope this is the dawning of a new day it's hope's eternal flame and you follow it and, and that's your passion that's what drives you that's what carries you on but most people haven't realized that Passion and love are the same thing. Loving and living are the same thing. It's all the same thing. Now, are you going to look at love as a bad thing? Or are you going to look at it as a good thing? Find all the beauty within it. There's certainly pain that comes along with it, but that's what makes it a good challenge. It's one that you must cultivate and take tender care to observe and conserve really truly appreciate love and send that love and light to everybody and you start to find yourself exactly where you need to be exactly when you need to be there and the message resonates to you and it fills you up inside with the goodness it gives you everything that you need in that moment it's like tapping into a wellspring and it's there and you you dip your cup in the teeming waters and you drink plentifully because there is so much there to appreciate, so much there to value, so much there that if you only take a minute to, to listen and to, to breathe the fresh air, to take in with every sense of your being that moment of being alive, that you realize that it's not all just in your head, 
that you're living this life and you every day is exactly the same and you're doing the same stuff and you don't feel that spark of life anymore and something comes along and it hits you it surprises you takes you out of the norm and it shakes you awake you appreciate that you become awake you become aware and you look at everything that's around and you find what's important and, and the things that you truly value really look at it as something that you feel you know is right you intuitively understand this is the place that I belong that whole idea of the ultimate question is who am I it's where you are it's when you are and it's how you're you're looking through your frame what you get to see right now is a living picture of the storybook of life and we are each telling it from our own parts you got to love that. You got to love everybody's process. Everybody has a different starting point. When you come to recognize they're telling the entire story of humanity, you start to appreciate the bigger picture and your place within it. And when you realize everybody has love, everybody has light, everybody has some sort of joy to give to one another, and you find the ways that you can. And it's difficult to bring it to people's attention, the, the levels of love that you give. But they will find out if they open themselves to it. I like the idea of becoming a welcoming. When you become a welcoming for the love that is there, it will come to you in a plenty. And what will stay is what belongs, and what goes is what must fall away. But the whole process is cultivating it and living within it and experiencing that true human emotion, love. That rawness that's inside, that thing that just shakes you from the tomb of your soul. It shakes you awake and it says, this is really living. And sometimes we are in a fit of desperation because crisis strikes and bad things are coming up all around. Darkness seems to be consuming every light that we once lived by and it's dulling things down. And we live in this, this dim remembrance of what we once were. You got to be able to look at that light and you have to somehow be able to feed the flame. Give that spark something of a chance to see it through the darkness and realize that the best way to do it is to breathe life into it. Breathe life into it with love and living. And the best way to do that is to become somebody who's serving. Serve somebody in some way with the happy helping hand that you have that gets them through to the next place in their lives where they can experience more love in in all of its abundance from all the people that are out there living living so that they can give each other life we need one another we are dependent on each other in so many ways the many hands hold up every bit of everything that we enjoy everything that we feel so privileged to have everything that we benefit from in one way or another everything that we value and hold dear has happened because we have brought our hands together to make that a thing to make it possible to make it real so just as much as the great things have come by our ways and our means and our hands we've built this this happened because of us the bad things are just the same and the fact and the reality of life is there will be good times and there will be bad times. There is an ebb and flow to everything. But what that is, is that's an opportunity to transition to become a better version. 
to overcome the bad things that we are susceptible to, the weaknesses fortified, the resilience reimagined, and really focus on what the present tense fate that we must face, the crisis at hand, and evolve into the resolutions for that. Proceed forward and progressively as this sense of armed neutrality, you're living in that place of needing to protect the ability for us to live and be well. To be able to live in a state where love is the most natural state that we live in. And that it's not love that becomes an anchor that holds us back or holds us down. Not a love for living always in the past, but a love for continuously getting to where things will be ever more thriving. Where you feel more alive. There's more chances to, to cultivate that spark. And each one of those difficulties that you face are not like anything you've seen before. It's not something you can quite prepare for fully. There's always going to be some variable to it that you, you just can't perceive or predict. So you have to be light on your feet. You have to be malleable to the situation. You have to be moldable and sustainable you have to be able to move with the groove and you can't do that unless you live within the light and the love because that's the one thing that gets us through every time every time you look at human history you look at everything that happened all the bad stuff you know what that says about humanity it says that we have a desire to love and live I don't look at war as something that represents hate I look at it as something that represents love and I know that it's a great contrast because we lose so much in war. We lose lives, we lose people, we lose our way of life. We lose the sense of comfort that we once had. We, we lose our identities and we have to resume and become something else because there's a new enemy at the door. There's a new threat at hand. Every day is a battle to be alive and, and we are in a raging war of life. But still, even still, that represents nothing but love. We love life so much. They are, we are willing to wake up every day and, and come face to face with those battles that we must endure. And, and we fight in the larger war and we fight for a cause that's worthy, something that makes it all worth it. And it's that sense of love and home and belonging. And you can't have any of that stuff unless you, you fight for it. You got to fight for it every day. It may be that your fighting is as simple as just appreciating and valuing those things that you already have. Love your family. Cherish them. Take care of them. Take care of your home. Take care of the, the community that you live in and the neighbors that you have. Be a good friend. Be a good person. Be compassionate and tender to other people around you. Recognize they are living human beings and they deserve love and light. And as much as we can care, we should be doing everything that's within our capacity to help them along, help them get through these difficult times that we are all sure to face. Because you know that when I'm in need and I call your name and I ask for your help and you extend me a helping hand, you get me through that and you have re-fortified me and you have given me a resiliency. And now 
I am the better for it. So if something comes along and, and beats you down, I will be there to help you out too. It's the whole, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. It works for everybody. A lot of back scratching. That, know, that lets you know that you have a friend. That lets you know that you have a dependability. You have someone to count on. And people can trust you and they know that you are someone that they can count on too. I think that creating a sense of that type of community is important for everybody. You know, it's really truly cultivating this uh, familial experience. You know, family is truly defined by the relationships and encounters that you have. You know, blood is blood, but family is something that is strengthened. And you can look in the terms that every human is a part of the human family. And if you can look at least on that level, then how can you begrudge anybody for being only human? You know, we each make mistakes. Life's tough. They don't make it any easier on any of us. And, and we all have our faults, but loving and living in the moment and, and recognizing the opportunity to, to love someone so much that you're willing to forgive them for their shittiness and give them an opportunity to do better, you know, <clears throat> the whole idea is to, to redeem the times, you know. And I feel like love is the one thing that really truly is redemptive. It's the one thing that says, all right. If I, if I can love enough, then I can live even through this. And when you start to cultivate that as a sense within yourself, you're like, wow, love is kind of like giving you renewed life. You know, I love the idea of video games because most of the time your life is represented by a little, a little heart, a little heart or a little bar that leads to your heart. And it says, you know, as long as you have that, you have life still great representation um but thinking it as like love being your life source and that the more that you experience that the more that you actually truly are alive and the more that you love and the more you're willing to accept and receive love become a welcoming for love and and to also be one that gives love and and shares it uh, freely without uh, forced constrictions or terms and conditions and just really truly allowing people to to have your love you start to see that we live in this system of energy in the world that's constantly being exchanged at a rate by which we can't even decide consciously how much of it we're going to give or we're going to keep it's something on a level of it's an exchange rate that we wouldn't even be able to keep up with but somehow we formalized over the years a way to adapt it into a, like a philosophy, a sense of psychology, really to, to recognize somehow that, that sense of eternal energy that we are tapping into. And love is what we call it. it. We give it that name. But you can love something as much as you want. You'll never truly understand how deeply and fully you love it. You can only experience it in that moment and it will shake you and it will break you and it will make you stop and think and it will force you to look at yourself and each other 
and the circumstances that you're in because you suddenly find something to live for, something to fight for, something that can carry you on, you know, because there's definitely peace. There's peace in loving and living in that. And even if love is meant to not be forever, it lives on forever regardless. If you love one thing, you love everything. And you love it now and you will love it for all times. So really cultivate what it is that you truly love, you truly appreciate, and that you want to see more of. And that's what you'll start to see in the world. That's what you're going to see more of. Because that's the things that you value. Those are the things that you're grateful for. Those are the things that you want to be a part of. The things that really resonate with you and, and help you recognize what it's like to feel truly human, truly alive, above everything else, really present in the moment. Living out that human story. Being a part of that process. And I feel like most people think that their lives don't hold significance in the grander story, but it does. Each and every one of us is precious. We are, we are precious, we are significant, and we are necessary to the story. And knowing that does not make you just want to help everybody just become their best version. To love them as much as you possibly can. Give them as much as you possibly can. You would want them to... to grow and become better because you know that 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 is the tide that rises all ships it's the feeling that we all get to appreciate when you see another person become so elated in their life so blissful so radiant that brings you joy their love their light it brings you joy it it's it resonates with everybody and, and you can't break away from it we're so human even just seeing somebody happy naturally makes us happy that sense of emotion it becomes something of us because we recognize that that feeling in another and we remember that joy within ourselves like oh, i remember a time when i felt that good and it takes you back and you can really truly live in that moment and be like, man, it's so good to be alive. It's so good to be human. And so every bit of joy and love and experience that you see out there that other people have, like you can share in that joy. You can share in that love. And somehow, and I'm not exactly sure how, but people, you know, left their hearts and went too far into their heads and this sense of logic of trying to make sense of the world, like... Why would we care to be, in a sense, voyeuristic? That we, we watch people be happy and that that makes us happy. The whole idea is that we can't have every human experience. It's just not possible. And who would want to? Sometimes there's just pure joy in the fact that we're different people. The differences of people, that's the spice of life. That is the, the beauty of the mixing pot. And, and when you can appreciate that difference in other people, you start to realize that the one thing 
that is common to everybody by which you really truly can love and appreciate it is how they're different and oftentimes people try to attack that like oh you're not like me and so that's confusing and and they tend to attack the things that they don't understand rather than opportunity to to recognize oh there's something different here and appreciate that appreciate it for all it is and and you know let people know i appreciate this this difference is quality this is good and and somehow help that person recognize the difference within themselves and remind them that that's precious that's significant and that's good hate the idea that I feel oftentimes that I'm like selling people on some concept. I don't feel like I'm, I'm uh, preaching or teaching. I just feel like I don't understand how people don't know this stuff. I don't understand how they don't see this way. And I just want somehow to be able to see eye to eye to people. And I, I do, I, I get on their level and I, really sympathize and I empathize and I understand what it's like to be so confused and be so ignorant and be so afraid because I feel that way about many things myself but I know that I have this understanding that seems odd to most people but it really is just as simple as saying that love really is the answer to life and if you lived every day that you wake up just loving everything you love the shit out of everything and you focus on the love and cultivating that, all the good things will start happening to you. Even in the darkest of times, if you live in love and light, more of that will shine your way. And, and then you, you recognize your responsibility, your duty as another fellow human being to shine your light, your damn lighthouse. Let people know that there is hope. We're all sailing on the seas of darkness and we don't know where we're going. But some of us do. Some of us know that there are rocks ahead. And you got to shine that light and love and, and let people know everything's going to be all right. And that's, that's what love does, man. It sends out that signal that lets people know it's going to be all right. think in the terms of where love gets so confusing is people tend to think of love only in terms of of marriage or in terms of a relationship with a significant other or some sort of intimacies those are certainly forms of love but not the only type of love there's uh, familial love there is uh, love that's friendly with friendships there's love in the romantic sense and then there's just love for life love for life in, in all its variance, all its difference all its variety, all its spice every bit of life that had to be poured into something being created and appreciating all of that that's on a whole nother level you cultivate love that deeply into something you truly recognize that everything has goodness, everything has value, 
everything has been poured out from somebody's heart and and you can really look at it and love and appreciate it it's like listening to a fine piece of music you can hear the heart of the player when you look at a beautiful painting you can love that love that was poured into that it was a labor of love even when it's something that seems as simple like that we don't even really take to appreciate but we do rather take for granted simple things like a packaged food you get from the store so much went into getting that done to create that to put it on the shelf of the store for you to be able to go and get when you look at things from the level of like what people devote themselves to in in this loving passion you begin to see there's so much more value and worth in the world and it's really sad that we've reduced the quality of our living in the state of love and appreciating all this abundance we create for ourselves and instead we're living as if we are in um, in scarcity and it just seems to me like there's just not enough giving you know we should be giving endlessly but most of what the economies that you see today that are malfunctioning, by the way, are saying that you can't have. To, to get is conditional. And to give requires some sympathy that people feel obligated to help you out rather than empowering the individual to become self-sufficient, self-sustaining, free and independent. They have the means to thrive. They are going to get along and stay alive just fine on their own without anybody having to come to save them. But we live in a society that indentures people and keeps them cut off from the love of living and force them logically to, to go and grind grind on this huge clock of machinery that we've created. It's a very broken system. And we managed to somehow call it civilization. Doesn't exactly work for everybody, as we can see. It's an imperfect system, but it definitely has good qualities to it that can certainly be taken advantage of. But only if we change the value rates to focus on cultivating loving and living and giving and if we can't do those things then we're not thriving and if we're not thriving then why are we even alive what's the point of going on and many people feel the same way it seems to be the common sense among humanity and god love them for it because they're fed up they're done with it they're over with it you know and there's many people that are out on the stage right now who are terrified they're fearful because they don't know what they're going to do if things have to change, this is something that's new. You need to have that feeling of reassurance that somebody cares enough to make sure we're going to get through this okay. And that's all we really need is somebody that gives us that bit of reassurance, points us in to the exit, you know, gives us a way, you know, out of this mess, you know. And 
the truth of the matter is the only way out is to go through. You got to go through it and you got to learn the valuable lesson that's here and get through it as fast as possible. It's the whole idea of when you're going through hell, keep on moving. You know, don't stop. Don't look back. You keep on going through, you know, groove through it. Find a way to, to love life so much that you can get through anything. And that seems like just the right thing to do. When in a heated moment of desperation, the only thing that acts is your heart, your instinct, this greater part of yourself that, that loves beyond your reason. And, and in that moment, do the right thing. Love is so powerful that it will take you wherever it leads you to because it has this intuitive sense of where you belong where your home is, where you're going to find that love, and where you're going to find yourself needing to serve and to serve more love to others. And you follow where you're called to. And you do what you can and you do the best that you can in every situation. And it's an imperfect system. You don't always get the best results. Some people shy away from love and, and they have yet to find a way to appreciate it. Many times people have not experienced love in a sense of it being pointed out to them like, yes, this is love. You know, a true love. I mean, that's such a sad world that saying I love you to somebody somehow is a dangerous thing. It should be the easiest thing for us to say. The easiest thing for us to do is just to love each other. But it's hard. It, the world doesn't make it easy to love people. Because they always fear that there's some kind of back end to the deal. And it's just not. It's not. When you live in loving it's not about what you get. It is about what you give. It's like seeing a fire. This fire is your survival. You need this. You need this heat. If you don't have this, you ain't going to make it. And, and you have a stack of wood right there next to you. And all you got to do is care enough to pick up that wood and toss it in the fire. Give yourself more heat by giving the fire the log. You know, you put in the log and you certainly aren't going to get back another log, but you're going to get something else out of it. It's going to be transmuted and it is going to be returned back to you in, in, in not the same degree, but in such a degree that it makes it worth it because you got a little bit more heat. You got a little bit more of what you need to pull through that flame inside that keeps you alive. Sometimes I feel like my love is a little bit too intense. I often feel that I have to throttle myself back. And I recognize I do because I can be overwhelming. It can be very intimidating. Because it's so questionable what one's intentions are when you see them love. And it's a difficult thing for me being pretty girl 
giving out love to people because love is such a oftentimes perverted thing that people assume love means that there's some other intentions there. So I have to be careful what I say and what I do and how I extend my love to people. And I temper myself. But I still love everyone. I still send love their way. Just in ways that don't necessarily draw as much attention. I think everybody has love for everyone, but certain love is only meant for certain people, and you give it based off of degrees of separation. You certainly do not love your child the same way that you would love a stranger. But you would certainly love your stranger just as much as you would love any other person. No matter how close or how far they are to you. And when you start realizing these degrees of separation and, and these degrees of love that we extend to people, and you really look at those types of encounters and relationships, you begin to see the power of love and what it's able to do in the lives of people. And it's almost like the smartest thing in the world to create would be a means for people to be able to love each other more. Love themselves and love each other more. Because it's certainly, if you don't love yourself, then how could anybody else love you? You would have no way to be able to show the other person how to love you. So it's terribly important that you know how to love yourself, even if only in one way. If you can find one thing about yourself to love, and, and you love the shit out of it, somebody else is going to come and they're going to love that too. And the more that you love yourself, the more love is going to come through. More people are going to recognize that in you and they're going to love you for it. And they're going to want to do whatever they can to cultivate more of that because they want to see you happy. Why? Because we all love to be happy. Happiness is an, an abundance. It is a true heart value. It's something that we benefit from on a level that we can't see, that we can't explain, that we can't understand. It's within the essence of our soul, seeing happiness makes us happy. <laughs> it's funny. And with that, uh, leave with the last thought. Reminds me of the song lyric. Um, everybody's looking for something. So true. Anyway. I hope somehow I have conveyed to others my love and my gratitude and my appreciation for them. How good it is to feel alive in their presence. I have so much to be grateful for every single day. And 
I want to see more people experience the goodness that I can see. There's so much abundance all around. There's so much opportunity, so many golden doors of opportunity. And I want to see people to start seeing that and start opening those doors and taking advantage of the the potential that's there. We have so much love to give. Human ingenuity is fantastic. We're so very capable creatures. I love us. We're beautiful, beautiful creatures. And I believe in the capacity for us to do good as soon as we recognize that there is good in the world and we are part of it. And it's something that we cultivate every day and we go out and we do our best. And we try and we try and we live and we give and we do our best to live from the heart. Experience what it is to be human. Really look at the way things are. Look at the way that you live and try on for size a different life purpose. When, when your heart is open to what we have potential to become, really in strive to evolve from our situations, overcome them, you recognize that we have the capacity to do so much good. History, if anything, is there to remind us that we are capable creatures. We love life so much that we were able to get through all of that. Yes, all of that. All that darkness in our deep, deep, dark past. Every little horrible thing that we have ever experienced. Being human has been a filthy experience. It has been horrible. There has been so much tragedy, so much darkness, so much chaos and mayhem and brutality very animalistic, horrible, horrible things that humans have been capable of and has have reduced us to in just the lowest of terms. We've been vile and horrific. And, and it's unfortunate to even see that there is a depth of capacity that's that low. And I do not want to see the bottom of that pit. But you can also see the goodness. You can see that we have risen out of the ashes of these horrible old ways. Our old selves died in those situations and we rose again, recovered and renewed all the better for everything that we had experienced. And we live today the continuously reviving and striving phoenix, constantly evolving into that better version of ourselves. And you got to love it. You got to love it every single day. Because there's so much potential in becoming better. And so if you can look at the past, you can see everything we've been through, everything that we've accomplished and overcome. You can see now we have so much potential to move forward and move on. But the only way we're going to do that is in love, in light, understanding that love is the, the true value and virtue we should be cultivating in the world. And to as much degrees as we possibly can. And understand that sometimes, sometimes we have to fight for that love. Sometimes we are going to have to fight against the worst of us. The worst parts of ourselves we have to fight against. And the only way to fight it is with love. And you love every bit of it. And you find a way to get through. We have that potential. That's what carried us through everything else. And it's what's going to get us through this. 
find what you can love, how you can love and give it, give it every day, give it every way. Recognize where you're called to service. You'll know, you'll know, you'll feel it in your heart. You'll recognize your calling. You'll recognize where you belong. You'll recognize home. You will feel that sense of this is where I need to be. This is what I got to do. This is what's right. And, and you're never going to be able to explain it to anybody. The reason why you know, but you will know beyond all doubt because you feel it in your heart. You cultivate being able to listen to your heart, really, truly listen to it and follow it as you feel so compelled and not run and not hide and not be afraid to express it and just love, 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 love everything. Love this, love that, love it as much as you possibly can. Give love, give light. Try not to be obnoxious about it because it's really easy to do. And Don't become overbearing and don't let love become a suffocating thing. And don't let it be something that we turn into to work that becomes overwhelming. It should be freely given, naturally occurred, and just cultivated and developed upon. If you can find appreciation, if you can express gratitude, if you can constantly be in wonder, constantly question everything in terms of how can I love this? Where is the love? You know, what is the love in this case? You can ask that question about everything. You start to see the silver lining in anything. And, and there's your golden door of opportunity. Take advantage of it and, and do what you can to give that love exchange. Because as we do, it's going to build us up. And we kind of become this, this flow of energy that passes between us. Sends that good positive signal. And it's something that other people can recognize in us too. And when you get a love that's powerful enough, deep enough, true enough, really meaningful enough, one that can, can be shared and for others to see, people will learn the valuable lesson of loving in, in a whole new dimension, in a whole new way. Once we start recognizing love in other people and how they appreciate it, wow, everything in the world becomes silver lined. Everything in the world shines so bright. It has so much potential. It has so much to give of love. And it does. But not every bit of love is for you. Some love in the world is meant for only one person. Love comes in many kinds. There's so many different ways that it's cultivated constantly. When you see a happy couple holding hands, you can't help but to be happy for them. That love's not yours, it's theirs. But damn, love is beautiful. You can really appreciate, I'm so happy that they have that. When you can do that and you can love on that level, you get fired up inside just based off the fact that love exists in the world and other people are appreciating it. You start to live in a, a life of abundance. And now this sounds hippy-dippity, I know that. But if you want to break it down to the baseline fundamentals, love the shit out of something, one thing, pick it, anything. Love it enough Love it enough that it becomes a part of your daily habit. Love it enough that you show up every day and you love and you live and you give. In a short order of time, I guarantee you will see that there is something that stems out of that. That is pure and it's whole and it's natural. And it's given freely. And, and when you see that, there's so much to appreciate. There's so much to cultivate. It's like a garden that blooms 
in its fullness of love and light and beauty. And you have nothing to do but to, to stop and smell the roses and appreciate it for all that it's worth. And it was nothing more than for you just to cast a little ray of sunshine on it. You love it in light. And you see that grow from them. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see people so inspired by love and life. And it's hard to put yourself in a position to, to cultivate that type of vision. It's a difficult thing. You have to readjust your value systems. You have to stop looking at opportunity as being something that you're going to be gaining from. You have to find ways that other people are going to gain and, and what ways that you can help them to do that. Even if it means you just have to stand back and out of their way. Because sometimes that is the case too. The whole idea is to be helpful, not hindering. And it's probably one of the most difficult jobs in the entire world to love people. It's a tremendous responsibility, one that I love to take on me. And everybody has the capacity to do that. And, and I know that once we focus on doing that, when we focus on loving ourselves, loving each other, finding the love that's out there in the world, help to, to spread the love and to share the love, bring more of it into the light of awareness of everybody, point to it when we see it. You know, love is caring, love is compassion, love is tenderness, L love is, is reporting, L love is letting people know. It's keeping up the conversation, it's talking about it, it's reminding everybody the good news. Love is here, love is alive, love is still here. We have hope. And it's a constant conversation. I feel like every conversation becomes this public service announcement. And it really is. Because you know word of mouth works. When you start talking about something with so much heart, so much living, other people perk up and they start to listen and they understand. You know? And, and when people are just given the directive, simple directive of just recognizing love and appreciating it, you start to see that, that people will, will find they will seek, they will discover, they will explore, they will want to know more. They will be lifelong learners and they will be living for the experience. And as it gets better, they're going to experience it more. But we don't have that right now because the value system is just a little messed up. We have the tools, we have, you know, the, the things that are necessary in order to, to, cultivate a type of lifestyle that really truly is about loving and living and cultivating love but we're held back by this system of society that tries to draw us into a different value system and a different sense of transaction and everything becomes about this this hustle and this hard work and and you know grinding on this what ends up eventually just being our own tombstone and it's nothing of value. When Here, while we're alive, we can be cultivating the happiness that we deserve in our lifetime. Why are we worrying about sending ourselves to, to some ends, working and wasting away till the end of time when we can really be loving and living in the moment? Redeeming the time, every moment we're alive, cultivating the love that is present in there recognize it. It is a form of intelligence. Love is intelligent. It is intelligent. It is capable. 
it's committed, it's thriving. When you see something loving, it is living. And I hope somehow more people understand that they feel it and they see it inside. They recognize it when it's there. And that they don't become so frightened of it. It's something that is a great mystery, but it's worth coming to know. And you will never know everything about it, and that's what makes it so great. Because that means that each and every one of us in our single lifetimes will be the only ones that are able to discover the love that we find. Nobody else gets to have that love. It's our own. It's our own beautiful human experience and and nobody could ever take it away from us. We will always have it. We will always hold it. It will always be ours. Nobody in the past has ever had that experience. No one in the future will ever have that experience. And God, I love it for the idea of knowing that our children are messages that we send to a time that we will never see. It's a beautiful quote. The idea of being capable of loving now in a way that we know that our children are going to experience benefits from the love that we've cultivated, but they're going to find a whole new level of, of love than we've ever been able to do. I find that to be one of the most inspiring things that you can think of. Love is hopeful. It's something you can build on. It's tangible. It's tangible in the now. It's tangible in the past. You can see it in every representation of history. You can see it in every representation of, of thought that has been put out for future events. Even when you look in the tense of these futuristic novels that people have written predicting what a future might look like, the, the one thing that's always present, it's always there to reveal itself, and it's always true love. Love somehow gets through anything. It is a magical, beautiful through line. And if you continuously follow it, you will find yourself exactly where you need to be exactly where you need to be, exactly when you need to be. And you will, in that moment, know exactly who you are. And what a discovery that is. What a beautiful thing that is. And as hippity-dippity as that sounds, it's still a tangible thing. Find me an argument against it. Try to tell me otherwise, because I know that the logic is resonant within everybody because it stems from love. Love is ever-present in everybody, even the worst of us. I hope somehow that my little bits of creativity reveal enough of love in its innocent and pure form that people are not confused, that they can recognize it just as free-flowing love, and that they don't try to assign any name to it, to call it anything give it any definition as to what type of love it is. It's just free love. Take it. Take it or leave it. It's yours to have. What comes as the following relief is something that I'm working on towards mutual enrichments. Uh, what is to follow is going to be hard to follow. So if it becomes too much of a challenge, 
feel free to step away at any time, but at least it's there, um, and hopefully there will be some benefit to it. Um, so at the end of a product of abstracting is the mathematical equation, the very uh, thematic formula, the map, the diagram, the blueprint, if you would. It's kind of like a cartoon, a concept of a comic. It's this abstracting and sketch of the model of the theoretical systems that it embodies. I of which move further and further from the realms of raw reality, see the map is of itself the territory. The end product of the aesthetic perceiving is non-abstracting. It is the total inventory of the precept in which everything is itself apt to be equally savored. In this, which evaluations of uh, more important and less important tend to be given up. In here, there is a greaterness to the precept if it's sought for rather than greater simplification, uh, but into a skeletonization. There is creativeness. It is therefore, therefore, uh, itself uh, seismic. It's a whole or a gestalt. It has a quality of the whole as a whole person. It is the creating uh, trends so that the act of the whole man themselves in the ordinary is then of the most integrated. It becomes more rarefied as all of the pieces of the one pointed to is totally organized and in organizing in the service of this fascinating matter in hand. It's like the jacosi, which is meant as this um, this sailing. The idea of if you want to draw a bird, you must become a bird. You must make it salient to you. The courtesy of this is supposed to be presented in all realms of respectfulness that I can have applied. Um, it's something that I'm trying to show which equally can be applied to the problems of other materials, to the situation or to apparel. Um, it is something that is apparent, that one can see, or one can ignore, or one can trust in and involve themselves in with self-confidence. It is a courage. It's a, it's, a, it's a lack of fear or it is a state where things are made clear. It's kind of like this... <laughs> this oscillating uh, facing of one with the unknown. It's this future condition of being you're able to turn totally and wholeheartedly to the present and find yourself in this kind of state of self-forgetfulness. And it's 
one of the paths that you can look into to finding what one's use is, what your identity is for. One of real self and authentic nature, one that is deep, that, that nature of living. It's almost always this thing that is felt as pleasant and desirable. It's this, this weaning on to the, the sense of feeling a heartbeat. In this is this Oneter. It's a deference. There's a yielding or a surrender. There is a theory and it has authority in a set of facts in to the laws of the situation, you go on from there as this permitting. You're permitting it to be itself, to a, uh, a loving, caring, approving, joyful eagerness that it is allowed to be itself. As with one's child or sweetheart, just as special as a tree or a poem, a pet or an animal, you appreciate by not trying to control. You're not striving towards anything. You're foregoing all needs to control and you're allowing uh, openings to imply some sort of kindness of trust within the self and, and that trust opens and allows the world to permit through. It's a temporary giving it's, it's a temporary giving of the straining and the striving. It, it is an option over control. It's one that is conscious and it is coping and it takes effort to permit oneself to be determined by the intrinsic nature of the matter at hand, the here and the now, the, the necessary, which is implied within the uh, relaxation of our fears and our needs to control you're just waiting and receiving patiently waiting on time the common notion to the master is to dominate and to control and these are antithetical and they tend to be um, grueling in their terms and their conditions with true perceiving of just the materials as they are. Take, for instance, the other, the person, etc. Uh, especially, you're especially able to find what is true with respect to their total self. Really in it all, what you're doing is this, this a trusting in your own ability to improvise when confronted in a situation in the future that you may not have anticipated. Um, and to look for the element of surprise. Be surprised and be captivated by the ways that you are delighted. This requires giving up the past because it's the best way to view a present problem. You 
give it all that you got. Study it in its nature to perceive within it the intrinsic relation interrelationships so that you can discover rather to invent. The answer to the problem is within the problem itself. So there is also this need to look at things in an easy way. To look at a painting or listen to a beautiful piece of music. You have to be patient and you have to take that as, as a therapy. Patience is this beautiful therapy. Patience is the ultimate redeemer of time. The other day, I was merely shuffling through matter. I was shuffling over past experiences, past knowledges, and trying to find out what inside of it is respectful to the current situation. Something that is similar. Something that uh, comes from that situation of the past that can be brought to the present to reclassify it. Something that represents then, but now. That I can use now as the solution to what once worked before in a similar situation in the past. And oftentimes problems can be resolved this way. In most of the cases, even in a problem that we've never faced before, there are similarities in the way that we react to it because of the human condition. The human element itself tends to be this way or that. So in the idea of you know classifying and linking into the idea of what sort of work can be done, I like to call it this idea of uh, creating this rubric by which we can take the present tense and the characteristics of the peak of our experience and take it as a total inclination that somehow within it everything matters and that matter at hand is getting lost in the present constantly. There's this detachment from time and place and it seems oftentimes like this great big puzzle that we have to figure out how to proceed forward. Always in, in the constant we're trying to unravel the past complexities and the future entanglements and to somehow in the present moment be able to ride the through line that gets us uh, past all that without getting stuck. So it's like this constant trying to unravel the suggestions of, of the universe. The things that you're being subjected to now are, are calling upon you to use the knowledge that you've had before and apply it to the present. And this is a possibility. This is an innovation. Human ingenuity does this all the time. We're very innovative creatures. And the creative person is capable of doing that. In states of inspiration, where they're going through a creative phrase or phase, and they are living in the fervor of that deep-rooted passion, and it's driving them, they lose all sense of their past, and their future becomes this drive that they proceed forward towards that inevitable taking what may and what comes along the way, but to keeping themselves focused, to always being in the right time, the right place, so that they can unravel the, the puzzle as it presents itself. When I look at 
the moment. And I find that all of it is there. All of it is there. And I'm totally immersed in it. And I'm fascinated by it. I'm absorbed in it. And in the present tense, I find the current of situation. That stream of human experience. And it's something that can be tapped into. It's like catching the tail of your own shooting star. But doing so in the here and the now. And catching on and holding on to that which is what matters. It's kind of like recognizing the sheer usefulness of everything and the beauty of everything that you see and the truth that lies there and to appreciate for all that it is. And many people often mistake that kindness for weakness or they mistake it as some ulterior motive. And so it's really hard to be kind and to be considerate and to have open ears that listen and open eyes. Many times people are not willing to engage in mutual enrichment. Many times people divert their eyes because you can't hide lion eyes. Many times they they go within because they feel the shame that perhaps they might be misunderstood. That perhaps somewhere out there someone is not going to accept them for who they are. I like to be the person that accepts people for who they are. People are a gift. They are a beautiful gift every day. And there's so much to appreciate about them. And I find so much pleasure and so much joy in that. And I learn so much about the human experience when I appreciate people when they're being their best version and I'm cheering them on. When people are their shitty versions, I feel compelled to give them mommy talks to try to tell them, you know, how to cultivate better natures and to encourage them on their way, knowing that I can't force them. I have no authority over anybody but myself, but I can encourage them to be better. And hope that something within me, and the fact that I care enough to want them to do better, to be better, become a better version, that that will inspire them to do better. And that I can be an open door of opportunity for them to seek redemption. Oftentimes, people mistake the things that I say. They mistake my kindness as flirtation, or they mistake my intelligence and my need to have an intelligent conversation as me seeking something more. People will find in me that which they are seeking. So I try as best I can to not be mistaken or misunderstood. But oftentimes I am. I speak in complex languages because I don't talk any one certain way. I express things with this spice, with this flavor. You don't describe two things the same. And so to even use the same tonality, be monotone your whole life, sounds terribly boring. 
though I spend a great deal of my time being very monotone when I talk. So at the very least, I hope that I find these fascinating words that I can use that make things more interesting. I think that that's what taps into the creativity, the imagination. And, and in that, people proceed forward in the state of play. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to playmate with. To play this game and to meet on my level. And for people to not try to drag me down to their level. And if I'm dragging somebody down, I certainly don't want to do that. I tend to keep my distance because I feel like I drag people down far too often. I'm like an anchor. I'm very weighted, very heavy. Because I think about these sorts of things. I think about them carefully and complexly, and I recognize the sheer genius of it all. I find the world highly satisfying and fascinating and it almost is like my senses are constantly on fire. I feel every bit of being human. And at times it overwhelms me because I can be so sensitive. But I'm good at containment. I'm good at reserving myself and sustaining a state of calm. I can control my heart rate and my breathing. I can control my temperament. If need be, I can shut everything down. I have the capacity to go completely comfortably numb. But it's not exactly the ideal state. I like to live in love. I like to feel and be alive. I like the touch of another person, someone close to you, who's at the heart, someone that can touch your mind and touch your heart and touch your body and make you feel alive. And you don't get a lot of those experiences in the world. Probably one of my favorite things to do in the world is to hug. Real, true, genuine, deep hugs. But it becomes such an awkward thing. You can't just go around hugging all people. And not everybody hugs in the sense of being a true open welcoming. Open arms. It's a challenge to have to live without those sort of human connections. So those are the type that I love and I live for the most. But I also deny myself those things because I want them to have meaning. I want them to be something more than just these experiences to be had. I'm not trying to just incite some chemical reaction that induces the sensation of a good feeling. 
I want to feel good and I want to do it consistently. And that's something that happens in the cultivation of relationships with people. And so far in my life, I've denied myself that. So I do feel very uh, void most of the time, void of human experiences. And I long for it. It's that human long, longing for connection and for community, companionship, relationship. And even though I don't put myself out there to look for it, I still find it. My heart is constantly calling to it because it wants it more than anything. And I'm faced every day with these options that bring me closer to the heart. And I find that everybody is strange at a distance, but when you start to really look at them, you start to learn what they're all about and you start discovering their mystery and what there is to really appreciate and value about them. And I think that that's far more important to cultivate really getting to know a person than it is to spending all your time trying to get to know everybody. So while there are people that have great many number of friends, I have few, and they're usually far between. And I keep myself removed from society because I don't like the idea of how a pretty woman is treated in the world. I constantly feel like I have to be in hiding because there's wolves that try to chase you down. And I know as I get older in age, I become less beautiful, less attractive, and I have less to worry about on that front. But it would be nice to still experience a little bit of joy while I'm still young and beautiful. I don't know if that's quite possible. Having committed myself to a life of discovery, finding a passion and pursuing it, you almost kind of get lost in it. I've applied myself for so long to my work that I have found it almost unreasonable to try to reintroduce myself back into regular society. And I kind of feel like I'm sacrificing everything for this need, this drive. And even when I put it aside and I try to go after other things, try to make a normal life, right? One that looks healthy, that my family would approve of, my friends would approve of, society would approve of. And I just have no will to live that kind of life. I want to live differently. And I need somehow for that to be okay. And it's a difficult thing to do. When somebody asks you, you know, questions about you, usually one of the first things they ask is, what do you do for a living? Somehow that becomes this important thing. They, they need to know what you do. 
because somehow that is where the greatest gestalt of of acceptance comes from. Our values have been so tuned into your job being what defines you that when you say that you have no job, you look pretty lame. <laughs> and so I oftentimes don't admit that to people. I have worked many times before in different roles, fulfilling different things. But I always, in the end, end up becoming just this giver of care in one way or another. And all along in this constant final pursuit of this greater vision, my greater work, that I have been extrapolating these life lessons from my other experiences to inform upon this uh, larger goal. And my expression of my work seeming so outrageous, like, why would you even care to apply, you know, this in the world? Like, it seems so different from the way things are, and I understand that, and that's why I like it. I like the idea that we can challenge ourselves to become something better and something different. And if it, all that it requires in order for us to change is for somebody to keep up the conversation and start talking about it, then it seems like that's the most appropriate thing to do. The way I go about doing my work, it seems out of focus. It seems that people cannot follow along with what I'm pursuing. Because when I put it in simple terms, it seems too far-fetched for people to believe. It's like, that's way far pie in the sky. That can't be real. And then they start questioning whether you're courting delusion. And nobody wants to believe you because it's just sounds crazy. And so I tend to keep the details to myself and I don't put myself in situations where people will ask me what I do for a living because it's not luxurious. It's not something that most people would be proud of. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of my life. I like who I am. Do I want to improve? Absolutely, every day. That's no different than any day come before. I'm not living the ideal life. It's because I'm still in pursuit of finding where I even want to live. I've come to be okay with just residing where I can focus on my work. But people don't come to my work. I don't meet people and I don't go out and meet people. It's very much an isolated situation. Socialization is very difficult to do. I hope one day to be able to invite people to come and see my work. This is it in part. This is more like the introduction of the author so that you can get a feel for who I am and understand what I'm working towards in so many pieces and parts. So that as I start to present more aspects of the project that I'm working on, um, the words that I present over time will become this interwoven uh, socialization that people will recognize that along the way through my work there has been development, there has been growth, there's some sort of rate of exchange. And the things that I've been working on have been heavy and it's been a hard burden to carry and I certainly wouldn't want to myself to be an anchor that weighs other people down so I make myself able to 
remove myself from a situation when I become too much for others. I find that I have been developing this very vast network of many hows and ways and means. All these things that I can effectively put into words and that ideas from it can be spread. And there are many variations in the different projects that I've taken on and what I do is highly dependent on what it is that I'm working on, what stage in the project that I'm in. And there are these urgencies that I recognize um, there are greater needs over time. These things that exist regardless of whether I'm ready to handle them or not. When some sort of need presents itself, I handle it as need be. There's this plasticity um, within the topics themselves that I talk about and why I chose to use the podcast format to express this is because in a long format, I can provide the discussions where people can see where I take my logics. People are looking for some way to be able to relate with the things that I say. Um, most people are primarily motivated by their need to uh, support or be supported. And the projects that I am taking on at hand will need to have support in order to become more than what they are. I just haven't felt that I was at the place where I needed to ask for people to give something to, to level this up. I feel like there's something, something implied in my work of it being a particular thing that people can't understand the utility of yet. It's like they have not yet been able to realize the proper intended use of this, this particular thing that I'm creating. And I want there somehow to be uh, a means to introduce these projects of a particular thing and for it to somehow develop a contrast in people's lives so that they can realize this is what I'm talking about is more than some generalized uh, philanthropic and angelic you know, approach to improving the world. It's this, this tasteful approach to create something that's lasting. Um, it's a way of being more selective in doing so in a beautiful way, choosing the things that we want. And I like the idea of crowdfunding the projects um, so that they're backed by the people, um, but also to lend to the idea that you got to keep donating to the causes that are working to serve the project, maybe not so much directly, but creating the culture mentality and the rest of society that helps to sustain it and make sure that it's okay and it's acceptable. There's really this instrumentality to this all-encompassing acceptance. And as we uh, 
accept these things as rewarding and fulfilling in our lives and we keep up the discourse on the public stage, it becomes more integratable into our lives. We become capable of emotionally accepting it. Any great feat, any great accomplishment, any great task taken on or any goal that we want to achieve, doesn't matter what the mission is, it is an emotional labor. This is something that you must invest yourself into. It requires action, and that's going to need someone that is willing to put forth commitment. And in order for people to commit to something, there has to be an acknowledgement of the presence. There has to be something there to acknowledge, to say, uh, I can commit to that, both in a community and, and individually. And so the idea of communicating this taking up all this time and this energy communicating is it's me spending the time that's necessary and it's used it's useful this is good this is hard work and this is good this is contributing uh, although it may not appear at, to all people at all times as being valuable it will be there because this here this conversation it constitutes what has been the great barrier for society is the fact that there are not people are not talking about these important things like they ought to be there are many cases where some of the greatest creators in the world are not being backed by the people because there's some provisions of our life experiences that expects us to have some sort of signal signal that's indicative that um from that will produce some better conditioning of our lives or something like that. People want to know that they're supporting efforts that get some sort of ball rolling, you know. When people feel like they're indebted to one another, they become more comfortable with their experiences. They're more willing to show up and to um, take part in. Um, the idea that there's something that I'm building that other people can help build upon. And that I'm not asking everybody to, to come and join the party, but rather that there is a, a sense to this concept. There is intelligence about it. There is, a, there is a nature to its ethos that I want to convey to people that my primary topic is to ensure that as much as my character as is possible is expressed to people so that they can find confidence in me. That they can recognize me as a determinate being, a human being existing in this world and somebody that can be provided trust to. In the overall circumstance of storytelling, there's always some form of rhetorical situation. Uh, there is a um, speech that requires us to convey in a certain way. Something that touches on with differentiation between the words that are spoken or in written discourse. Spoken discourse is my favorite in the social sense because there's always a very interesting way of approaching presentation. When somebody hears something, it captures the audience by this sheer force of the in-now happening. It's far easier to carry somebody along in a thought than it is to write it down because 
written word becomes a, a distractive thing. So I don't want to present any of the things that I have to work on as just being a mere object of some written white blank paper, but to be something that is uh, prepared for beforehand through this dialoguing. And in order to reach, you know, readers who will eventually read this paper that says, you know, this is what we do in this case of this project, I really want to first describe to people that there is this desire in the conclusions that I'm trying to reach. That I want to thrust upon the, the audience this idea that um, I'm developing something new, something that breaks down the ideas of what we have been experiencing before. You know, every imperfection is marked by its urgency, and every urgent situation is a call for us to be our better version. There's something there that needs to be rectified. You know, and it can be done so through our discursive actions. We can talk about it and our words and our speech become who we are. Practice what we preach and, you know, be careful of our speech because that is what we end up acting upon. There's also a frequency in the way that we project our voice and when we're heard. Um, somewhere in that uh, brings about this attunement with the ears that people pick up on the sounds in the air and they recognize that there is uh, there is a movement to the words and I want to move people with words I like sparking from people this these these questions I like to leave people in wonder about the things that I mention there's always this very very uh, narrowing range of sound it only carries so far. And because of that, you recognize that you really have to be specific when you target an audience. And that's where it becomes interesting because you start thinking about, you know, what's the story that you're, you're conveying? Um, conversation has constraints. There's many aspects to it. It is in itself this whole situation um, that is bent by the word. You know, we discuss things in this rhetorical situation. It, we interject thoughts and ideas, which become interventions, and things escalate and um, uh, tend to flow in general directions in ordinances between the agreements that we make in appropriate conversation or good conversation and based off of our prior decisions that have been made before we even became each other's audience. Each of us have deeply held convictions and we all have our obstacles that stand in our way. These are the things that we use to navigate around our experiences. And in order to get things done and to do it right, we have to acknowledge that there's some part of ourselves inside that doesn't function quite appropriately. And we have to circumvent these, these not proper functions and turn these constraints into some form or fashion, uh, a sense of flair, <laughs> to do it a different way. For me, 
discussion, it possesses this capacity to, to correctly identify a situation, to bring the audience into my constraints and by the virtue of my discussion, somehow put into the words a possession of meaning and to affect change in the world from the things that I say. Therefore, I recognize that it's vital that every word that I use is used properly and appropriately, and that I take the time to assess the rhetorical situation. I find how to respond and by what mode I wish to, to deliver my message, and I, I choose my situations wisely. And oftentimes, I get set back by these very minor setbacks where I think of myself as this just catastrophe. I am this broken thing that moves back and forth in this constant state of becoming a better version of myself. I, I have to take on this constructive criticism of myself, be harsh, and then turn around at the same time and love and live and let it be alright to open myself up to different kinds of of people and conversations and open myself up to different responses that while every the property of every situation that I'm in it is based off of the fundamental principles that I truly believe in as a person what I feel is possible but I know that when presented with some factor that's uh, altering it becomes this postscriptive guidance that I can say, okay, my narrative perhaps may have been so far thus, but given this new context and this new understanding, integrating it in based off of the fact that it's evidence, it's proof I can trust it, that I can turn around the way that I perceive things and proceed forward in a better kind of response. That's what conversation asks us to do. It, what's proper, what's ethical, you know, in our response, it ought to be some sort of willingness to change the manner by which we uh, conduct ourselves. Um, if we look at what should we be in the world, it should be our capacity to to learn something new, to, to change our point of view, to consider things in a new way. And I feel that's what criticism is about. Being a critic is much like being a scientist, a critical scientist, one who has to develop their own concepts, define them to the best of their ability, and in such a way, describe it with words so that somebody, upon reading the evidence that's been presented in this formulated context, um, having read it, they will be able to leave that text with a clear understanding of, of what was said, a clear understanding of what was presented, and how best to proceed forward with that information in a way that can be applied in other regard, or even in similar regard um, in, in some other uh, virtue of conversation. The ideas that I work on, the process that I apply myself to, is to identify that virtue of clarity. It's the always there, ever important thing. And all I have to do is find a way to bring it forth through reasoning and, and, and extend to it some sort, of, some sort of theoretical longevity. I have to present it in this storytelling. Um, so that things can continue to go on along with what I'm saying. Because things tend to remain the same if things remain unsaid. And to change is the whole point of, of 
everything that I'm trying to do is to embrace change. And I recognized in order to do that, there's going to be lots of confusion ahead. Change is different. It doesn't look like what's been there before. And you have to be able to look at what's different and to be able to come to terms with it, come to understand what it is that you're really seeing and make the best possible choice when you move forward. So this comes in with the whole idea of having an ethos, having that clarity, have some sort of sense that, that uh, within each conversation is this, this pressing, passing of information and that words mean things and that when you enter in a mode of conversation, it, it is this gentle dance it's this persuasion and, and a person's character is presented forward and you can see from them, you can see their ethical makeup. You can see what it is that that person imagines when they're able to, to construct for themselves an idea and then conduct themselves in such a general matter and way that the ideas that they have constructed um, are made apparent within the image of the person who they are. You start to see that the person constructs themselves into the constructs of their creations. That there's no way to separate one or the other. And that it, present in anything that is created is some particular uh, act, some language of the creator that has been written into it. And it's some sort of general regard. It's this characterization within the, the creator that has given a part of the self in order to uh, develop this, this creation. So the idea is that there's, there's no sort of like trap that people are falling into uh, in the sense of what I am trying to somehow in such a way theorize and all the things that I mean and all the terms that I use in this discourse and this rhetoric is to create some sort of immediate immediate encountering of the world. I want people to somehow take from this something along the lines of my own character or personality. I am the speaker, I'm involved in this, and I'm trying to share this through because if you can understand where I'm coming from, you can understand that part of me that is within this innovation that I'm creating. And so you can better understand it from at least that perspective. And that might be the only approach by which people can truly understand what it is that I'm working on because it is so substantial and significant and it's tied in from so many different things. It's this huge matrix of complexity of different elements that are put together and uh, it takes so much time to sit down and explain to people in ways where they can have a closer look to really understand the origin of the ideas and where they come from and you know what they mean uh, beyond the idea of uh, what I am building it's something that 
within it holds these architectural characteristics of the things that I find important. Uh, what I feel like people should be experiencing it as their homes and their home life and their workplaces, it should be things that some in some way reflect who they are as a character. We are inhabitants of these spaces, and on some level, those spaces are building up how we are behaving, how we are experiencing the world. And when we inhabit different spaces, we have different experiences. And, you know, our spaces reflect who we are. And if we're able to somehow express that into words, it gives us um, a very interesting way to approach conversations. Uh, conversations more become like who we are and less about what we do. It becomes more important about who we choose to be in the moment while we're talking. And that it doesn't matter what you do for a living because you dwell in that. You are living that and, and you are that shining example. So it's not even something that has to come up in a conversation as if, you know, do you have a job? Yeah, I work hard every day, live in life. I do the dirty work and get it done, whatever's necessary. Upon this human condition, the great rhetoricans would ask, what manner of the world are we? Through our rhetorical actions, are we creating ourselves and others to dwell within? And so taking on that as this general uh, conception of, you know, what we are encountering in these conversations, I feel like people are questioning what it is that I'm presenting as my point of view. And I hope that upon reading or listening, the, the audience will see that I have presented not just a thing for them to consider or to look at, but a way of looking at a thing. And that by extension of using that way of looking at a thing, you can look at the world and you can begin to see new ways to describe the things that you see, the things that you deem that are important in your life when you critique yourself and others, it becomes uh, a necessity to be among good company and to somehow provide within peer groups a way for everybody to become better persons, better people. Um, in instances where we're able to provide good company to others, especially those who are able to urge us to, to be more descriptive, to be more alive, to, to take more chances and risk for higher things, Life doesn't become constantly about this battle of, of balancing ethics and, and justness. You just be a good person and to live and love and laugh and have fun and, and to be that beautiful, simple reminder that there's someone else living out there, this life that can be described as beautiful and truthful and something that is independent and different. And in such a lovely way. I like being in the world. I like being combined with all these other people. They're full of these insights. 
And people are so capable. They have these capacities about them to modify the world, to practice, you know, conversations and to build solid things, to forge connections, form relationships. And I think it's all just beautiful. And I want to have more of that in my life, but I find it difficult because there are restrictions to interactions with others. And the kinds of things that I think about are very limiting in the social standards. Uh, humans are social beings. It's impossible to remove ourselves from that situation. We have to find ways to continue to navigate the human condition in such a way where our differences become things that we can unite ourselves by. There's something great to talk about when we talk about the human condition and how it uh, affects us differently. Um, I think that the idea is that I'm trying to be as free as I can um, to work within my own self-construct and try to make declarations out there of you know, who I am and what I intend to be in this world, what I intend to do and what I intend to uh, approach in my daily life. And I'm casting myself into these conditions and I'm situating myself in these really hard places and it's difficult for other people to accept the type of life that I'm living because it is so far off of what other people would suggest is the norm. I'm not living by the commandments of my society that says that I have to go out there and do and become and and be identified by my work. I want to instead become good company to myself and to others while I'm still here. I have this life to live. I get the chance to be myself. Nobody else can live my life for me. And so while I'm here, crossed and contained in this life, I want to live in the ways that I feel are right. And the great difficulty is explaining all of this, you know, beyond the uh, initial and the intuitive of my dialogues. You put all that aside. You put aside the objects of my study and you see within it this artifact that I'm working at. It itself has a beginning and an end, and within it there is an analysis that people can take to, to describe whatever example that I'm offering to them. I don't want people to assume that I am trying to confuse them. As you can imagine, what I'm experiencing, what I'm working on, is rather confusing. It's difficult to put into words. Um, but my one way of dealing with the fact that I don't have the words to explain, and, and this can be a very confusing matter for others, but what I am doing is declaring that there is a situation that is here. There's one that is multidimensional, and it takes place on many different planes. It's not just in one space, but it's in every space all at once. It's this whole situation. It's becoming. This, this artifact itself really is the great task. It's a performance. It's this uh, heterogeneous, strategic, communicative entanglement of the, the, 
the data that can be read in the world. There is a mannerism in the communication of various forms of language that really speaks uh, upon our, our place. And I look through that. I, I look at ourselves as these embedded constants. We are constantly there. We are in constant conversation. We are inundated with stories and traditions, and we grow up in cultures and the rhetorics around us really impact us. The, the message resounds within us, and the message themselves become pr problematic in nature because they tend to be the thing, only ways by which we analyze the world, rather than understanding that the conversations are what we should be analyzing themselves. Um, using our words to describe a thing, but to understand the way that we choose to describe it really in that holds the persuasion. It holds the place marker for these many instances that we can meditate upon. And from that communication, we can find that within sound, there's still this methodology of stillness. There's something there that happens in the spaces between. And... It presents itself as this spreadable idea. The artifact becomes something that allows people to discuss life and to over time carry along the story. Um, the methodology becomes kind of like this mythology where we're, we're, we're using stories from the past in these strategic ways, these rhetorical ways, using these elements that um, language constrains us to and to hold, you know, above all else and, and beyond the normal implications, the simplic simplicity of understanding what we need. So as I continue to go on from here, as I've tried in previous steps, to identify the constraints of my study and my work, I'm getting as descriptive as I can be. And to do so in a way where I'm not trying to get people to necessarily understand or to take upon themselves to encounter things in the same way as me. It's rather this is a, a discursive operation. I, my work is in this basis of I'm developing an, a further understanding. I am a respective creator. I am constructing for myself this, this, this ethos of life. This presence, this way of being. And the key, the reason for choosing this, as my topic of analysis, is that it constitutes this main forum. That which should be regarded overall as the purpose of our place in the world. And whether or not this, in theory, is possible is yet to be determined. But, and so, moving further on, I hope to cause more for its regard to become 